0: little known fact about my guest today, it was a huge decision for him to move to New York City. And after that huge decision, he booked his first Broadway job three weeks later. No joke. Welcome the great Cheyenne Jackson to the podcast. okay Welcome Cheyenne to the podcast. I'm so happy that we're so technically savvy that we could make this happen. It's incredible.
1: It's wonderful. Thank you for having me.
0: I think that we might be related by marriage because my grandmother's last name is Landau
1: Hmm.
0: and that's all I
1: have to say. L-A-N-D-A-U? Yeah. Is that how he spells
0: it? Is that how your husband spells that,
1: it? That's how he spells it. Yeah. 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 He's not related to Martin Landau, but I am his, not either. His... Oh, interesting. Sadly. Ooh, yeah. I know, right? But um, if people
0: said, are you related to Martin Landau? I'd be like, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, no, they ask him all the time.
0: All <laughs> the Landau.
1: Just say, just say you are, yeah.
0: Why not? There's nothing yeah. who's gonna know. Well, now they'll know because we've now said they'll that know out loud. We said it. Um so I want to talk to you about Call Me Cat, but before we get and circle back to that amazing show that you're currently shooting during this pandemic, you're one of the few people who is able Mm -hmm. to go to work um, and be safe, I want to go backwards in time a little bit because we in New York feel great ownership of you and over you as a Broadway performer, um, and that's how so many of us got to know you at first. But your story and your your love for musical theater, which landed you on Call Me Cat, because you can see exactly how one led to the other, um, yep. must have started when you were teeny tiny. And so I wonder if you were tinier than you are now. So mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what that was like and how, um, a passion for the arts was ignited in your childhood.
1: Of course. Well, first I want to say I love, I love when theater New York people say things similar to what you just said, because I do feel such a nostalgia and home. New York is home and Broadway is my first love. Mm-hmm. So it's uh when I talk to folks like you it definitely it reminds me of why I got started in the first place. And um where it all began, I'm from a little teeny tiny town in northern Idaho um called Old Town Idaho and uh 1200 people in the town, one one blinking red light, uh very very conservative Republican town. Mm. Um, very close to the Aryan Nation compound outside of Coeur d'Alene. So it was a very white town. And I knew, I also grew up very, very poor. We lived um, in the woods and we my dad built our house on cinder blocks and we had no running water and we had an outhouse. And
0: Is that true for your entire childhood?
1: No, up until about, uh, I would say nine. And but yeah, book- the first, yeah.
0: Sorry, was that common like the kids you went to school with were you in the minority in terms of how you guys were living or would you go to other friends' houses and feel like you were in the same boat?
1: It was not common. Uh it, it was common in a certain part of the town. My parents kind of lived in not a commune, but it was definitely like a little enclave I guess of um hippies that were also born again Christians. Okay. So an interesting dichotomy there, yeah. to say the least. And, but so I actually went to a private Christian school uh, that was also in the same it was the same building as the church was, and it was so there were only about three people in my grade uh, all, all up until eighth grade. So, um, no, it was I knew that we it was a different thing. It, not everybody. Yeah, most people had. Showers and indoor, <laughs> indoor plumbing. And, and was the
0: outdoor plumbing sort of a back to the earth sort of philosophy, or was it literally because both you literally couldn't have.
1: Plumbing? Yeah, it was both. My my parents are both from Southern California originally, and um, they didn't want their kids to grow up thinking you know that the sky was brown because of smog. So they wanted to go somewhere clean, and they wanted to start a family. In the middle of nowhere, in the woods, and live off the land, and that's what they did. Wow. Uh, so it, it was a philosophy, but it was also out of necessity because okay. uh, we didn't we didn't have anything. Um, but then, you know, I I we I grew up a little bit. Um, my dad started working uh, for the sheriff's department; he was a police officer. Um, we got a uh, indoor plumbing, blah blah blah. And you name- knew my name i'm named after a tv show in the 50s uh called cheyenne it was a western um it was about around the time when there were many westerns running Gunsmoke, and you know all that and yeah. my dad my dad loved loved the show and loved uh the idea of naming his son cheyenne and uh he wanted to name his first son cheyenne and, and didn't do it and then the second one my mom thought it was too weird and so he said if, if the third one's a boy It'll be Cheyenne. So my brothers are John and Chris. <laughs>
0: of course they are.
1: <laughs> and then there's me. you
0: have a middle name? David. Okay. My
1: dad's name. Yeah. And name. did
0: you like your name when you were little? Did it make you feel special or strange?
1: Both. I, like, I, I felt unique. Well, I always felt unique. I always felt different. Uh, growing up a little queer kid in northern Idaho in a town like I did, I knew... That I was different. I knew that I didn't, for lack of a better word, belong. I knew that these weren't my people, and I didn't know what my what my ticket out of that little town was going to be. Um, but I knew that early on, I had I I had uh, a knack and a talent for performing and for music in particular. I sang in church, mm-hmm. and then in in eighth grade, my choir teacher really singled me out and said, "You really have something special." and mm-hmm. And he was the first to really help foster that, and and help me focus on that, and 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 build that. That same year, uh, Le Miz came to Spokane, Washington, and we. How took far a, was
0: that? What What is the journey to get an, to an there?
1: hour? An hour. Okay. An hour away. Okay. Uh, but it, it was the big city the of world Spokane. Yeah. yeah, and um, it was a, we took a field trip on a bus, and we went and saw Le Miz, and I never. I didn't even know what Broadway was and I couldn't believe that this was their job, that these people got to be in this show and try, my, my whole world exploded and also began at the same time, because that was, I intrinsically, I knew that that was going to be my ticket out of this little town and also my way into finding who I really was. Wow. And it was not long after I did, high school musicals and did all that. And then as soon as I graduated at 17, I got involved in um, summer stock and theater. And I had never been around people of color. I had never been around gay people. I had never been around anybody that was not, you know, white and straight. And I felt for the first time, like I found my tribe. Wow. And I felt I felt like myself, and I felt excited and alive, and that's when I knew that the arts was going to be my future. I didn't know how or when, but I knew that that was inevitably in the in the distance for me in
0: your tiny community um and you talked about your self awareness and knowledge of of who you were attracted to, you yeah. out
1: no. No. And it was, you know, I was, it was twofold. Not only was the town super conservative, but also my, my family is very Christian. You know, my brother is, my brother's a pastor. I went on two mission trips, three mission trips. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was, I was battling with my own, my own insecurities, my own self hate and how is that going to be stacked up against what I'm learning in the church and also letting my parents down and so many, so many things. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, at I did come out pretty early though. At nineteen, I lived in. I did live. Move to Spokane, the big city, mm-hmm. and I got. I I got myself involved in like a gay youth group, and I started playing on a gay volleyball league. We were called Safe Sets. It? Shout out. And. Um,
0: Shout out to all the setters.
1: Safe setters, safe setsers. Um, and. I just I just started living my life and 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 um, finding out who I was and at the same time still doing theater, um, you know, honing my craft. Didn't go to college, um, and then around nineteen, I I decided to come out to my family and just you know get on with it. And it was tough. Mm. They had to mourn their idea of who they thought I was or what my life was gonna be like. And I gave them that time to mourn, I understand. And then we just got on with life and we took a a slight little sabbatical from each other. And then we, it it was great. I thought my dad would be, would have the hardest time, but my dad ended up being the one that was the coolest about it. And it was great because my dad was a Vietnam vet you know,
0: such a different world.
1: Yeah, None. amateur bodybuilder, cop. You know, just that we lost him a few years ago, but he got to see, he got to meet my kids, and wow. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it was And your was mom incredible. is still living. Yeah, very much so. She lives in Laguna,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, she's you know she's young. My mom's sixty-seven and beautiful, and um, you know and she had to pick. Mom-
0: to your beautiful a grandma,
1: kids. Yeah, a grandma many times over. My all my, my siblings have kids and
0: wow. Yeah. So um, that worked out ultimately. That worked out. It yeah. yeah. So how do you get? I love that there's always a teacher at the center of so many stories for people who don't have access or proximity for whatever reason mm-hmm. to the arts in a way that mm-hmm. become your lifeline. Mm-hmm. Um so shout out to your eighth-grade teacher. Um, Mr.
1: Caldwell, yeah.
0: Mr. Caldwell?
1: Mark Caldwell, yeah.
0: Well, how proud Mark Caldwell must have been and must be. Um, you got yourself from this teeny tiny town to a really big town called New York City. Um, mm-hmm. How did you literally make that trip? And and who sort of went, <clears throat> come, on, come and you can stay with me. And like, how do you even do that?
1: Right. So from Spokane, I moved to Seattle, mm-hmm. which is the next logical step. And I was did every kind of job. You know, I worked at a bank as a bank teller. I worked at a bingo hall. I did every kind of food service. And then I ended up working at a magazine um, in Seattle. And I, up until about, I was 26, I was just working and doing theater at the Village Theater. I got my equity card. I worked the Fifth Avenue Theater, I really, um, because I didn't go to college, I had this chip, I still have it, I still have it, Right. Um, that I wasn't trained, and that I didn't do it correctly, so even though people often said to me, why don't you move to New York, that you would do great in New York, I just, it was too big of a thought, it was too, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it, so I just was living in Seattle, doing my thing, and then two things happened, um, we had a, a death in our family. My brother's little girl passed away and also nine eleven. Mm. And both of those experiences rocked my world so hard. And I just, the idea of time ticking away and not taking chances, uh, it wasn't an option for me anymore. So I, I knew one person in New York, uh, they, they would often have big productions come to Seattle and they would cast um, the chorus out of Seattle, like the, the understudies and like the smaller parts, the local Seattle stars like me would play, you know, the guard or whatever. And, and so there was this production of The Prince and the Pauper that came to town and they cast me as uh, the understudy for the lead. And the lead was this guy named Mark Kudish um, another Mark. Okay. I, didn't, I just realized that. I just, I just, the first time I've ever made that connection, actually. But he was the lead and I was his understudy. Yeah. And we became friends. And um, he said, if you ever move to New York, you know, I'll look me up and I'll set you up with my agent. And, you know, I, I was always taken, I was always really, really taken with his generosity um, because I was basically a younger version of him. Yeah. And yet, and yet there was no, you He's know, so
0: generous.
1: he was generous. There was room for everyone. Um, and there was something about the timing and then also nine 11 and, and, and little Alexis who passed, I just thought I'm going to do this. And okay. so I took a leap. I had a little bit of money saved and I moved to New York. But that, I stayed at sh-
0: Do you fly? Do you bus it? Like, how did you, I,
1: like- I, flew. Okay. I flew to New York and I had enough money to stay in a crappy little apartment in, um, midtown. 52nd and 9th, and I called Mark right away and said, hey, remember me? Nope. Uh, so
0: No, I don't.
1: Uh, right? Uh, that's what I was waiting for. But he was like, oh, my God. He couldn't have been more wonderful. And he's like, well, here's my, here's my, here's my agent's information. Um, go, go meet them. So I walked in. I didn't have pictures. I didn't have anything. But what I did have is a lot of experience in my life, um, a lot of pain. -hmm. Um, and I knew that I had talent and I just had a feeling that it was just my job to convince everyone that that I was manifesting before I knew what manifesting was. I believed that yeah. So I walked in and they um had me read a couple scenes and they had me read a couple songs and they or sing a couple songs and then they signed me right then. Um my very first audition was a few days later for uh Thoroughly Modern Millie. Come on. And they needed somebody who could understudy the lead, who is a baritone, and also the other lead, who is a tenor. I am not classically trained, but I grew up listening to every style of music. Mm -hmm. And so I can sing really high and I can sing really low. And it's always kind of been my thing that you can't really put me in a box in terms of vocal. And... It was just, oh, also, they needed somebody who looked kind of old and kind of young. And that's also always been my thing. You can't really place a cowl lamb.
0: Right.
1: It was one of those things. And I was the right person at the right time. I walked in, and I remember the director, Michael Mayer, said, Lasama name and said, Cheyenne Jackson, huh? Like it was a fake name.
0: Right. <laughs> was also, like, that's a good Michael Mayer impersonation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and go- I said,
1: I said, that's. That's right, that's, that's who I am. I did, all I had was my composite for my headshots. I hadn't had them printed out yet, you know. And I just-
0: Driver's license. This is. Me. I mean, it
1: was basically, and I remember them all just kind of looking at each other. I could feel something happening in the room and I thought, I'm getting this. And I did. And I was on Broadway within three weeks of being in New York. And-
0: My brain is freezing, so you'll have yeah. to correct me. But wasn't Mark in that show? Yes. Am I having a party so, attack? You're
1: absolutely right. So that's a part of the story I, I forgot to bring in. Mark, I ended up being his understudy. And he didn't even know I was auditioning for it. I actually, they brought me, um, you know, all the producers and such brought me to the theater right around call time for me to sing one more time for Michael Rafter. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I sang and then they kind of, uh, uh, said, "Well, this is one for the books. This is you. You basically got off the bus, and here you are. You're welcome to Broadway." And Mark came down the stairs at that moment. He's like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "I'm your understudy." And he was like, he had tears. He gave me a hug. It was beautiful. Three weeks after that, he got a job at the opera, mm-hmm. so I got to go on for about two and a half weeks in the part that he was just nominated for a Tony for. It was. So surreal. I nobody was in nobody was in New York yet for me. I was just by myself, and I remember my scene was you know here's Sutton who just did won the Tony, and she's knocking on the door, and there's a turntable, and my feet are up on the desk, and I was thinking like, I'm on Broadway, I'm about to say words, and this is this thing is going to turn, and I'm about to say John. Hi. I was about, I was like I could not. I was having an out of body, but I I it was just. I'll never forget it.
0: But isn't that? I was thinking back. My first, my Broadway debut was uh, covering two people in a in a Neil Simon play, and and uh, Kate Burton was one of the people. And wow. the first time I went on, I was playing Alan Alda's wife. Like it's a memory play, so so he remembers his wife as a very young person, and that moment <laughs> you're describing, which was very similar. The lights come up, and I'm lying on a like a a bench and I ask my husband Alan Alda (laughs) like to help me like what's a four letter word for basically like whatever and and you're like no matter what else happens in my life it will never get better than that moment because you you have you're on another planet you've no expectation you don't know what you've rehearsed with some other understudies and a stage manager.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Maybe. And yeah, like lots of things have happened, but I feel like you remember that as well as you remember like a uh, horror story, like day one. It's so. seared.
1: It's seared. And last summer I got to do Into the Woods at the Hollywood Bowl with Sutton Foster. Wow. And so it was this full circle and we're the exact same age. Yeah. And so it was this full circle moment of, and I got to, You know, we weren't close back then. She was on this trajectory and she had, there was so much pressure on her. She was 27 and she had just won the Tony and vocal stuff. And, but I just, it was such a sweet thing to be able to like, I explained everything I was going on, you know, that was going on for me at the time. And it's just the human experience uh, through art and artists. It's, I think it's just the pandemic has brought it in such sharper focus. Yeah, and um, I'm just so in awe that I get to do it. I, I, I it's it's incredible. Yeah, incredible.
0: And, and that you, it kind of feels like once you got your foot in the door, you really. I mean, have there been any long spells without work since your feet on that desk and and seeing Sutton's face as the thing turned around? No. Yeah.
1: There hasn't. I, I, I just. I I want to do it, it all. And I wanted, because I, I think it was a good thing that I didn't go to school because I always just want to learn from everyone. I surround myself with people smarter than me and people that are better actors than me so I can learn and steal and by osmosis, get it. I remember even just in Seattle and the, the ensemble of things, I would be, when it when it wasn't my when I wasn't on stage, I wasn't in the dressing room. I was in the wings watching and learning. And I feel like that's been my best teaching. I mean, my very first television was, I had just done um, Damn Yankees with uh, Sean Hayes and Jane Krakowski at the city center. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Tina Fey came to the show and to support- um, Jane. Jane. Jane Krakowski. She came backstage afterwards and she said, I like your big Midwestern face and your timing. Um, I have this part on 30 Rock. Um, I, I'd like to gauge your interest. <laughs> I'll
0: get back uh, to you, Tina.
2: No,
1: just a bit, So these things happen to me in my life and I, I am awake when they happen and I grab them. And so my first t- television was 30 Rock and I was playing somebody who did not know what they were doing. and. That was easy to do, because I didn't know about hitting a mark. I didn't know about lighting. I didn't know about, and most of my stuff was with Alec Baldwin, who is so technically proficient, and just, he's a master at that rapid fire comedy
0: with all these layers. Like what, so working with someone like him, who had also, like you, like you now, does all the things. Um, He does Broadway, and he does television, he does film, what, he has an interesting reputation. People really love him or feel like they had an, they were intimidated by the experience yeah. and couldn't fully be themselves in, in it because of that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah.
0: How did, what was that like for you?
1: He's de- he definitely is, is intimidating and he has a presence, but his presence and his intimidation, if you allow it to be, is only because he has so much integrity about the work. He is so prepared. He knows exactly what he's doing. He expects you to know exactly what you're doing. Um, my very first mark, I remember my very first scene, I was meeting the whole cast for the first time and I had to walk and I hit a mark without looking. I didn't know all the tricks then. I mean, I, I was like, I was just kind of guessing and I, I overshot it by about a foot. And so I was a little too far to the left and I was in his light and he put his hand on my shoulder and said, you're in my light. And I, I didn't take it as like, oh, I just said, I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn from him. And I did. I just learned about comedy and making a choice and taking a risk and being prepared. I, you can always tell on a set, now that I do so much television, who has a theater background because we hang up our costumes, we're there on time. <laughs> we, know, we know our lines we're nice to people for the most part, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so I just uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful way to, to get my feet wet in, in television. And uh, I thought
0: that was the transition that was sort of, yeah. we're able to start doing other stuff and building a resume that way.
1: That's right. And um, I, I really wanted to do a, a, a situation comedy. I wanted to do a multicam because I thought it would really suit my talents, my natural presentational style. With you know, I really struggled the first few years of television about calibration and how big to be and and how much to actually just think the dialogue rather than indicate it. And it's right. a lot. There's a lot to learn. A lot
2: to learn, and yeah.
1: I took classes. I took online stuff. I had teachers. I I just did everything I could to get into that world, and it's taken me. Nine, nine years, nine pilots, <laughs> until, I finally got, until I finally got on one that is going to series, and that is a well-written, beautiful, multicam cam show. Um, it just so happens it's in the middle of a global pandemic, and there, of course, is no um, live audience. And up until action, we have three masks on, and that's mm-hmm. the way it is. And, but um, it's all how it's supposed to be
0: i feel yeah. like ryan murphy was such the perfect in the the transition between like 30 rock to get back to call me cat because ryan's stuff is so theatrical they're mm-hmm. dramas but there's there's camp in in it as yes. well right american horror story is such an incredible intersection which you got to be in all of them. I and mean, the idea mm-hmm. that he, it feels to me like a theater troupe, like he uses for sure. an ensemble of people, which is so extraordinary for someone to be that incredibly confident in what they do and sort of go, no, this is how we're going to do it. And the audience will be fine that Cheyenne is playing a completely different character this time. He's its, it's going to be fine.
1: I love the way you described it. I actually have never heard it described in that way. And it's, it's exactly right. It's extraordinary. His, his, uh, his cojones to go ahead and say this is how it's gonna go. Also, he does love, he loves Gothic, he loves drama, he loves beauty, he loves pain, he loves all of the different things intersecting all together. Um, And yeah, honestly, I never saw myself on a show like that. Mm -hmm. He came to, he had come to Xanadu years ago and um, then wrote me on a small part on Glee I auditioned for Mr. Shu, didn't get it, but then I had, I, he, we just became friendly and he came to my like one man shows. I would do a show out in P town and he and his husband would come and he just was a cheerleader of mine and really, I think wanted to, um, give me a shot. So I remember him just randomly saying one day, um, I want you to do American horror story and you're going to be married to Lady Gaga and you're going to be a design. I'm like, what was that? Huh?
0: Sorry, that's funny. I thought you said I was gonna be married. Roll, to the guy. Can you roll
1: that back. Yeah. So again, here's another thing that is just a gift mm-hmm. that I I I was so scared. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I had to do scenes with Kathy Bates, who is one of the reasons I wanted to be an actor. I mean, primary colors and I mean, it just,
0: like just her brilliant. Yes. Okay. All hail. You
1: get it. You get it.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: That's a whole, yes. That's okay. So I love that you got that. Um, So I had my own insecurity and we all do as artists and that running dialogue of I'm not good enough. How am I going to stand up to Sarah Paulson and Angela Bassett and these people, but you have somebody like Ryan who, who, who thinks she can do it. So you, somehow you just kind of go, I guess I'm just going to figure it out. And the first year I was, I had so much fear and I was really in my head mm-hmm. as the seasons went on. I started yeah. to just kind of embrace it and, and um, really stretch myself. And so, yeah, I'm really long grateful long for time. that experience.
0: What, yeah. Much more fun. Um, I really want to get to call me cat.
1: Yes.
2: And yes. Please please. The
0: bell. I mean, it's so sure yeah. guys. I just, Just for the three people who don't know, and then we're going to get into it. I'm going to just do like the briefest because you can go on Google, but I just want you guys to hear this. Aida, Thoroughly Modern Millie, All Shook Up, Xanadu, Finian's Rainbow, The Performers. That's the, we're doing the Broadway column. Then we have Glee, 30 Rock, American Horror Story, Watchmen, Equal, Saved by the Bell, and Now Call Me Back. That's like this much. That's like the teeniest amount of the things, this very young man, because I can't tell if he's 20 (laughs)
2: Um,
1: that's the point
0: that's the point um so the the kind of unbelievable like wingspan of the things that you've done um not to mention your activism not to mention you being so public with your beautiful husband and children and showing people all over the world what a family can look like which is so beautiful especially when i understand now a tiny bit of how you grew up. So the idea that you can be so public with that and be so generous in sharing that happiness with the rest of us is so moving to me deeply, Cheyenne, beyond all the beautiful work you've done um, as an artist, the work you've done to move the story forward of what it is to be human. by using your platform with such generosity and integrity is just really one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today, aside from the fact that you just do so many things so well on screen and on stage. So, well,
1: that was so beautifully, uh that was so kind. Thank you for that. Thank you.
0: With that before, before we say goodbye and I let you go, I've been such a Mindy Bialik fan for so mm. long. I think she's such a uniquely gifted person who in some ways is underappreciated because her gifts are, are so deep. And, and she too is someone who's out there in the world going, I think I could help this. I could, I could help put attention to this cause that's important to me. Um, Leslie Jordan, <laughs> what's happening? Swizzy Kurtz. Like, this is a cast that I would see in, you know, in some incredible uh, play at Lincoln Center. Like, the idea that you guys are doing this um, and you get to film it and sleep in your bed at night in California right now is incredible. So, tell me how this came to you. Um, are you a cat fan? Literally, the animal cat.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and the musical cats. Um, how did this happen? And just tell me when we can look forward to sharing in this joy.
1: Uh, that was a hell of a setup, by the way. Thank yeah. you. You have a way with words. Um, uh, how did this come to me? I have been looking for something that was, like I said, a multicam. I want something well-written. I wanted something that was sad and sweet um, and just funny and joyful. I I wanted joy. Especially after this year, and last year, right around when all this was beginning, um, I got a call uh, from the creator of the show, which has never happened to me on a show uh, like this, uh, and said we are thinking of you for this part. Um, it's it's a it's an American version of Miranda, a BBC show, and we you know we are you interested in coming in to read. And I read and I said, yes, of course. What is it about? And then I heard Mayim was involved. I, like you, have always thought she was underappreciated, underrated. She has millions of fans. Right. But I don't think she's had the perfect opportunity to show all of her unique strengths and gifts. Yeah. Get ready. Yes, Because this is the thing. So Jim Parsons optioned this and has built it around her. They're producing it together. Um and it's just I I, I read it and I thought, I this is something to fight for. I worked so hard on this audition. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I'm always prepared, but this one I didn't I didn't even want to for a second have to think about a line. I just wanted to embody this person. And I knew I just needed to be um a sounding board and to be something for her to bounce off of and she our first read was just crackling there was just something going on then they brought me in new york and then we did the whole rigmarole and the testing and all that and um i got it and we then the pandemic happened and we had to put everything on hold until mm-hmm. we got started again but the pieces coming together, it actually, I think, was a blessing because the writers were able to really take their time. And, you know, th- these things are fast. Everything is fast, fast, fast. We're doing an episode a week. Um, but the show is so joyful. And she just, she's able to do the same thing that, that the best parts of, of the Miranda show uh, uh, from the BBC, you know, the breaking the fourth wall. Being this relatable, flawed, beautiful, real woman who is single, doesn't have it all, but is happy. Right. And it doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. Right. But she's happy and she's confident and she's figuring it out. And um, I, I, the characters are beautifully drawn. Leslie Jordan. I mean, I've been we've been friends for years, mm-hmm. and it, like I jokingly say, you're the only one that had 2020 was the best year of your life because he's exactly. like watching everybody else fall in love with his yeah. magic and watching everybody else get it. It's just it's so fun. But yeah, it it, it it it's an it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of what we are what we feel on set. You know. I, I, I'd look to I look to Swoozy and to Leslie because they've been on a million shows as if like do you have a sense of I know when something is working. Right. You know when something is working. Yeah. But whether or not millions of people watch it is is, is we will see. January 3rd it comes out. Um, there's music. I didn't know there was music involved um until this, the second episode, Darlene sent me a text and said, I have a surprise for you. And um I opened the script and I've been wanting to sing on television. I mean, I was on Glee and didn't get to sing. I didn't get to sing on Glee. And I and all my friends came on the show. Matt Bomer came on and got to sing. Yeah. Neil Patrick Harris came on and got to sing. I'm like, That's where's right. my where's my moment?
0: That's not right. Um, like.
1: that, so it was it was all supposed to be now. It's at happening. this time. And Mayam sings and she dances and she gives you Pratfalls and she breaks your heart. And all six of us on the show are a little bit a little bit lost and a little bit lonely, and we've kind of found this little tribe and um, it's just been an oasis for my soul and for my family because I live close to work now and I've, I've been every single night I've been able to to have dinner with my kids and put them to bed. and I've never had that. I've always been you know four in the morning. In the dark, yes, you, know. you know, working There's on schedule something. ever. You're yeah. getting up,
0: and it's daylight, and you come home, and it's daylight. Except, yeah, you know, on the rare occasion, that's and incredible. I Feel
1: like a, a vampire, yeah. So,
0: wow, um, Cheyenne, yeah. what a story! Your story is so unique and beautiful. And and what is not lost on me is is um, you know, no one feels gratitude every second of every day. That's really hard to do, but I certainly right feel around you, you create this um, space for yourself to remember that there's a lot of gratitude to be had. Um, and that's combined with discipline and hard work. Like what a beautiful journey. Like how incredible.
1: Thank you. I mean, gratitude is, it's, it's what's gotten me through. I'm a sober person for eight years. Uh-huh. So Gratitudes. it is a big part of my life and how I just gain perspective and keep myself mentally healthy. Um, but it's this year in particular, I'm not somebody who naturally wants to reach out to people. Mm. And I am a natural isolator. I'm a cancer, I love to be in my little cocoon. Yeah. But this has forced me to break out of that reach out to people. Um, but yeah, I try to, I try to stay in gratitude, especially right now when so many of our of our artist colleagues our are hurting.
0: Yeah,
1: it's, the, it's being been ripped apart, and so yeah. If I have to wear three masks and not have Thanksgiving with my family and sacrifice um, in order to work, it is it is a privilege only, and um, yeah, it's not lost on me. Also, sidebar: I have been told that I resemble your husband.
0: But that's really what I was thinking this whole time, uh, is that you and Dominic should be, literally could we, almost play twins. Yeah,
1: we like, definitely, I remember when I, when I was watching Nurse Jackie and he yeah. came on, I was like, what?
0: I know, I know. We I'm need to so play brothers, like for sure. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe I just think that. Maybe I'm projecting, because nope. I like you so much. Um, Likewise. Likewise, I am sure. So before I let you go, one little known fact is you look like Dominic Fumusa, but that would be my little known fact. Can you share a little known fact about yourself? Uh, hmm. It can be literally anything. Before sure. Before I let you go. Ah,
1: what is a little known fact? I, 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 these are always hard for me because I'm, I, I always just share everything. Um, <laughs>
0: it can be a lie.
1: <laughs> a lie?
0: um it could be anything
1: i mean oh here a little known fact i uh i just wrote on my instagram about six months ago i've had hair transplants and i used to be so scared people would find out and i would go i would start every new job and i would take the hair and makeup people and i'd be like you
2: guys i have hair transplants
1: and i and they're like so like nobody so there's a little known fact that yeah. once I owned it, and, yeah. and then it, I, nobody has any, it's, it does it has no power over me anymore. I don't have any, you know, there.
0: By the way, it, your hair looks amazing. How great. How great. Thank you. That's really good for people, <laughs> people to know that even if yeah. you're not born with that hair, they can have that hair.
1: I was born with it, and then I lost it all. And now it's and back. I, and then I got it back.
0: May I ask one question? <laughs> Is it sure? Painful? to get so painful you know, try, oh so but worth it oh
1: yeah oh so yeah it. it's, it's pain, the healing is the painful part and it's expensive mm-hmm. um but you know for me for my confidence it's what i needed to make myself feel good and keep getting jobs and yeah and then once yeah. i came clean or came out and that's not something to come out about but we all have our own you know insecurities yes, it is.
0: we are that yeah. we live in a culture where it is all supposed to be like i woke up like this and i think, right i think um actually today you did today you did wake up like this today i did that's actually, actually your truth um <laughs> you are an angel person living among us thank you for so sweet yourself today and being so accommodating with the technology and yeah Deeply, deeply thank you for this time. What a pleasure.
1: You are very welcome. This was a lovely surprise. Thank you very much.
0: Here's here's to you, your family, and be well. Happy holidays. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and performed by Georgia Famosa with backup vocals by Caleb Famosa and episodes are recorded in New York City and edited by Nicholas Clark. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.